Welcome back, everybody. Take a break with Stephen. Stephen Seamus. So, Alex, I heard you've been a little sick lately. I, I've had, I got the Rona. Uh, you know, I, I had it a little corona. while ago. The Rona. I, I, I mean, sure. The, yeah, from Corona. Coronavirus, the Rona. Uh, the Rona. I think I the third, one. the third mass comic event in um, four weeks finally got me. Finally, finally got, got you. Finally got up to it. All right, yeah. cool. All right, what do we got this week, Alex? Uh, we're going to hit back into the video game and kind of like oddball stuff. Uh, we're going to talk a little middle, middle Gear Solid. Which is a new one for us. Um, Labyrinth, um, one of my favorite uh, um, Bowie movies. One of the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. <laughs> Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, Avengers Forever, specifically, we're going to talk about Kang. Uh, and then the mask, something something we probably really never even spoke about. But now... Hey, you! What are you doing down there? I'm just looking for my mask! All that is about to change. <laughs> because Stanley Ipkiss is not the man he used to be. Smoking! The mask. Ooh, somebody stop me! Which is very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia stuff going on. Uh, you know, uh, when we talk about Avengers Forever, we're going to focus on uh, Carlos Pacheco, who sadly passed away yes. recently, uh, who was a frequent guest of our events, uh, who is dealing with ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Very, very sad, very tragic, uh, really, really tough uh, disease. Yeah. Very, very tough yeah. disease. What a great guy, um, too. So, so nice. Very humble. humble. Yep, yep, humble yep, for a guy exactly. who is so immensely talented. Yeah, um, yep. very, very tough way to go. All right, Alex. So, uh, what are we going to start with? Yeah, let's talk about a solid snake in the Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, do you play this video game or no? I don't think I've ever actually played a Metal Gear Solid. No, and there's been—I mean, there, it's been around long as me. It's been around since 1987, but no, I don't think I've ever played a Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, again, it's one of those properties um, where I guess people are looking to go back on these comic books. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, the book is from 2004 now. So it's 18 years old. It's hard to even say 2004 was 18 years ago. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Definitely ages so, us. So what's the appeal? Is it just that the video game is, is keeping reissued? Is it? Uh... Yeah, the, the franchise is very strong. I mean, the game's been out since 1987. Computer game, then, then console games when that became a bigger um, I think when, when it moved to PlayStation and you kind of got that 3D environment and this is one of those first like it's a sneaking game. So it's like, you know, you have to sneak around and not get caught, and not get seen um, it was first kind of re really game of that kind and made up very pop that kind of game very popular. Um, but I mean, it's been it's one of those franchise and video games that's been around forever. Anytime there's a new PlayStation, there's a new Metal Gear announced and and you, you're always going to get something out of here and, you know. I love, we know conventions a lot, but you're going to see at least one Metal Gear Solid Solid Snake at any convention you go to. It's a big popular uh, cosplay. Um, and yeah, the franchise has just been around forever. Good games. Every game is great. 
Yeah. So so these books are really, really starting to take off. Uh, Metal Gear Solid number one, September of 2004, uh, based on the Konami video game series. Uh, uh, Chris Opriska's story. Ashley Wood uh, did all the all the covers. Yeah, uh, covers. he's he's amazing. Yeah. So there are ninety one nine point eights. Uh, there are there's one nine point nine and two actually ten point O's in nine eight. That's a two hundred seventy five dollar book now. Right. Uh, then there's the uh, retailer incentive edition with a silver foil logo. There are fifty seven nine point eights and three nine point nines. That's about a three hundred dollar book. Uh, the second print, which shows the female cover. Uh, there are 17 9.8s. That's a $375 book. Uh, then there's the 1 in 25 Foxhound variant cover, 18 9.8s. That's a $500 plus, plus, plus book. Uh, then there's the Graham Crackers Comics Edition with an Ashley Wood cover, 18 9.8s. That's about a $450 book, $100 raw. Every single wow. variant of this book, 275, 300, 375, 500, 450. These are all very, very expensive books. Every version of the book. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And it's all and all the Ashley Wood stuff is huge. It's huge. Like um, they don't even do Ashley Wood doesn't do a lot of comics anymore. They went into vinyl toys, and now they're they're kind of above it. So this is yeah. extremely hard to find. Yeah, this book really took off. Okay, yeah. what do we got next, Alex? The Labyrinth. Yeah, is there like a remake or something coming on Labyrinth? There's all they're always talking about doing like another movie. Uh, you know, the comics have tons of sequels. I mean, this is one of those movies. This and like Dark Crystal, when you think of like Jim Henson movies, like these were his adult movies, and they flopped and they they did not do well in the movie theater, and critics hated it. But obviously, they're b- wonderful, brilliant films. Years later, everybody's you know critics have recome back and be like, oh, actually, it's great. The the storytelling's fantastic. Everything's great. So you know. As a cult movie following, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal are, are very big. And, and you know, when you think about a Jim Henson um, and you think about Labyrinth, it, it's such a big, you know, Muppet fan taking the next step and, and, and watching something else. And David Bowie's great in it. Yeah, you know what's interesting Goblin about King. Jim Henson? Yeah, you know what's interesting about uh, uh, Jim Henson is, you know, you have these sort of uh, figures that transcend the industry, they transcend mm-hmm. their time and whatever. And Jim Henson was that person, you know, Dr. Seuss was that person. And it's interesting, like even Bill Watterson with Calvin and Hobbes, like there is no mantle to be passed, right? There was no like, right. oh, this person is the next Jim Henson. Right. This person is the next Bill Watterson. This person is the next Dr. Seuss, right? It was sort of like this flash of lightning and no one has been able to recapture the Jim Henson magic yep. the way Jim Henson did it himself. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, how come there hasn't been another Todd McFarlane? How come there hasn't been another Stan Lee? Like, yeah. you know, it was just like a one and done kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, and it, and it stinks because, you know, everybody leaves us a little too soon. I mean, Stan, Stan stayed with us for a while, but Jim Henson, too soon. We could have gotten a lot more out of him. Yeah, and I do wonder how long the McFarlane signing is going to be at CGC. I suspect <laughs> it's going to be. I suspect it's going to be a week plus this time. I was going to say, yeah, it might be. It might be. Uh, might be a while. Might be a while. Plus what he did at New York. Plus what he did at New York Comic Con, which I heard was pretty significant too. Yeah. 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 Okay. Labyrinth, the movie number one, November of nineteen eighty six. Uh, 28 9.8s, 33 9.6s. It's only about a hundred dollar plus book now, um, in the 9.6 range. You can't really find the 9.8s. Wow. Uh, the movie adaptation, Sid Jacobson's story, John Basema and Romeo Tonghai cover and art. Um, okay, Alex's pick of the week. What do you got for us? Some, some con crud, or what do you got? <laughs> well, 
have the, the con crud's ending, um, but I did bring stuff back from the con. Um, I don't know if you know. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, Stephen, but I am a Tintin fan. I don't. I don't yeah, know we, you know. I think you mentioned that on uh, a, a couple of occasions. Uh, there was a booth at MCM Birmingham, which absolutely took all of my money, and it was a a vintage European comics booth. So it was a bunch of Asterix stuff, Smurf stuff, um, Lucky Luke, and of course Tintin. And I got these awesome little pamphlet Tintin things. They're from. How 19- come they're not in holders? Not yet, not yet, but they're, they'll be there. Uh, these are 1984, so these are 38 years old. Um, and just like the Secret Wars book I talked about, these are transfer things. So you get a background, and then you get a character sheet. I love those when I was a kid. And you when rub I was a them kid. into the thing and make, make a scene. And, you know, these weren't cheap. These were about 25 bucks per, which is pretty expensive for, you know, pieces of paper. Um, but I'm a Tintin guy. If I see any of this stuff in the States, I'm buying it. I never see any of it. Vintage European comics items are nowhere to be seen and this guy has a website and he gave me his website i started looking it up and yeah i could buy things for 30 40 pounds off of his website but it's another 30 pounds shipping and now i'm spending 80 bucks on two pieces of paper so it's you know when i can find it i'll buy it and i I think it's one of those things that if you have it here like if i wanted to put these on ebay now the right people would pay 50 bucks a pop for them because it's just so hard to find them anyways when i was a kid those rub-ons and yeah. the shrinky dinks. Shrinky dinks. Love the shrinky dinks and the rub-offs. Yeah. By the way, at a, a, a future show, I found a Bongo Comics like mm-hmm. uh, from 1990-something signed by Matt Groening. Whoa. It was like a preview to whatever. He did like yeah. 500 of these things. Um, it because it looked it reminded me because it looked like the same size and format. I'll bring one of those uh, in the future. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll do Steven's pick of the week. That there you go. I no problem. I would love to see a picture of that. That's what we're going to do. We'll do Steven's yeah, pick we'll of the week down, yeah, the, yeah. down the road. Okay, what's next, Alex? Uh, Avengers Forever. Yeah, I think you're starting to see all the commercials now with Jonathan Majors as Kang. Yeah. Uh, this issue in particular, um, because of the cover of Kang, it seems to be the cover that everyone is chasing. Yeah. Um, and then the Carlos Pacheco element of it. Um, uh, everybody is is going after this particular cover in particular. I know we've talked about Kang in the past, but everyone seems to be centered on this particular uh, cover. So let's first talk a little bit about Carlos Pacheco, and then let's talk a little bit about Kang and 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 this particular book. Yeah, I mean it it, it stinks that we have to talk about it like this, but I mean you know one of those artists that has been around for so long since the '90s that is like. When you see it, you know, you know his art when you see it. It's not, he's not a fill-in guy. You know exactly who it is when you see it. And it sucks. This year, it seems like there's just a lot of passing of, of, of artists and it's it's crazy. And, and you know, you know, just get old, you know, it's just, it's just time, time goes on and, and it sucks because again, we, we talked about in the beginning of the show, he's just like one of those nice, humble guys that would just sign everything, talk to you, shake your hand. I know we we would have him and Jesus Marino, I think, mm-hmm. at a lot of shows together because Carlos would do the penciling yeah. and Jesus would do the inking. At some point, Jesus did take over the own his, the penciling responsibilities, um, but Carlos was always a wonderful guest, um, always gracious uh, for the fans, and yeah. uh, a guy who really uh, loved who he was and yeah. loved doing what he was doing. Like he loved being Carlos Pacheco. Yeah. I, I think. He he loved who he was, yeah. um, and that was and he brought joy to so many people. Okay, yeah. so Avengers Forever number one from December of ninety eight. It's the Carlos Pacheco Kang Westfield variant cover. 
Uh, there's only 15 9.8s. It's about a $225 book, but it's moving, moving, moving. Uh, it may not, it's probably way more than that today. Uh, yeah. First appearance of the new Captain Marvel in cameo on the last page. Uh, Kurt Busiek's story, Carlos Pacheco, and oh, and Jesus Marino art. Of course. Yep. Yeah. All right. What are we closing out with today, Alex? Uh, the Mask, probably my, one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies, if not number one for me. If not number yeah, one. Yeah, you're, you're starting to see, I mean, even the Ninja Turtle stuff keeps going, like yep. all that stuff, it just yep. keeps going and going and going. Uh, the people are of age now, they've grown up, they're remembering the Jim Carrey films. Yep. Uh, there's. I don't think there's anything in particular that's putting the mask over the top, other yeah, than nope. it's just a nostalgia vibe. It's a great character, Alex. Talk about the character a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the mask, I mean, everybody's seen, if you've seen the movie, you kind of understand, and the book is a little different. The person that wears the mask kind of becomes more of a, a like a crazed villain almost. Uh, more of an anti-hero than 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 the movie. The movie was a little played down a little bit. Um, but again, this is one of those things that the property, you know, there might not have been. I mean, there was a mask sequel. There was a cartoon. There were some things, but it's not one of those things that keeps producing more movies, more series and stuff like that. But when you when you talk about the mask as like a comic book and you tell people, oh, yeah, it was based on a comic. People are like, what? Never heard of it because it was a, I mean, it was a decently printed dark horse book but it was still a dark horse book it wasn't it's an independent comic and unless you unless you knew it was based on a comic you know the, the movie is more prominent in everybody's in everybody's minds so you go back and you're like oh i love that that movie let me go buy the books and you realize they're independent books and they're not easy to find yeah yeah and these books are from 1989 at this point yeah. wow so mayhem number one and i it's funny i don't i was working in the shop at that time for some reason, I don't remember. I, when I saw the cover to Mayhem 1, yeah. and I'm pretty good visually, like yeah. I don't remember that cover. This must be a very, very tough book to find. So Mayhem number 1, May of 1989, only 17, 9.8s, about $1,000 in 9.8 hours. A 9.0 a, a just sold for 400 Uh Four-part uh, Stanley Ipkiss, who becomes the mass storyline, begins. Uh, it's Chris Warner cover. I think Chris Warner did a lot of the Dark Horse covers back yeah. then. I think he did aliens and predator as well yeah, i was gonna I say the remember. same thing yeah yeah he did the aliens and predator covers yeah uh doug monkey uh, uh worked on the book so a lot of familiar names um so that's an expensive book then uh mask number one uh came out in august of 1991 about two years later there are 31 9.8 that's about a 200 book uh first appearance of lieutenant kellaway as the mask uh john arcudi story doug monkey art uh and then mask returns number one uh october of 1992 Eight nine point eight. That's about a two hundred dollar book, about one hundred twenty dollars and nine six. Uh, there's a mass centerfold inf- insert, John Arcudi story, Doug Monkey cover and art. So I think that does it for today, Alex. Uh, yeah. If you have any questions or comments, please leave them in the field below. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see everybody next week, same bad time, same bad channel. Bye, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.